Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the North Carolina saltwater fishing community since 2003, 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in our latest and greatest chapter, the Saltwater Podcast Series. In the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series, we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their knowledge, their insight on how to catch more fish more often. And so while that goal of more fish more often is out there, I think what we're also trying to do is just encouraging you to grab your family, grab your friends and spend more time on the water more often in search of that more fish more often. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Jumbo Fall Spanish. We're going to be talking about Jumbo Fall Spanish with Captain Rod Bierstedt of On My Way Charters out at Carolina Beach. And we're going to be covering such topics as the when, the where. We're going to talk about hardware fishing for Spanish. And then we're going to transition into live bait fishing for Spanish. And Rod is a longtime favorite of the fishing schools, a wealth of information. I am already concerned that we're going to be able to fit it in within the hour deadline we've sort of set for ourselves. Um, I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, welcome What's going on, Gary? to Jumbo Falls Spanish. It's been a minute since I saw you. Man, how you doing? <laughs> doing good, man. Doing good. Um, well, I'll get right into it. That way we can get right into the Jumbo Spanish. But just want to share with you how to watch and how to listen. Um, so right here is a little slide for the guys who are people who are watching right now. we got Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, head over to our YouTube channel and, and be sure to uh, subscribe to that to get all the new sh videos and whatever that we put up there um, really looking to grow that channel so we appreciate it and comment like do all those things so the algorithm says hey fisherman's post awesome and it keeps promoting it and growing the podcast so good times and then also once we once again we'll mention marine warehouse center just a great sponsor of the show um, and we got a little commercial from them and we'll be right back this is Preston with Marine Warehouse Center. We're your headquarters for Carolina Skiff, Sea Chaser, Paramarine, and Sailfish Boat. If you're looking for tons of features and value without compromise, come check out our inventory in person or check us out online. All right, good commercial, man. Always good. Always man, good. I love hanging out with those guys. You've been hanging out with them recently? I have. They've been fishing your tournaments, winning your tournaments? They have. They've been fishing. The they were the regular season champions of the oh, okay. Inshore Tournament Trail. They didn't win the trail championship, put up a good fight. Yeah. But I think even more noteworthy is they won the regular season. I mean, that's really that's the battle. Good, yeah. That's really the grind in my mind. But when I'm hanging out with them, um, Terrell, one of the owners, he doesn't fish much, but he's a funny guy. All right, yeah. so he had some jokes. He has fish jokes. Did you know that? If you I ask Terrell that. to tell you a fish joke, he's got a wealth of them. He told me one the other day. You want to hear it? I, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. We were uh, <laughs> Terrell and I were sharing a Mr. Pib and a Hot Pocket, and uh, he told me this joke. <laughs> Mr. Pib and a Hot yeah. Pocket. <laughs> Why did the fish get bad grades? Because uh, he dropped out of school. That's a good guess, but that isn't what <sighs> Terrell's joke. Because he was below sea level. 
All right. Perfect. But yours was just as bad, just as good, however you want to word it. Oh, my goodness, man. Show me a fish photo. Here we go. We got a little fish photo for you guys. This is Henry Kitchen and Rob Wells with some Spanish mackerel caught on Clark spoons around Masonboro Inlet. Man, look at those. Starting them out young, catching some fish, man. Good-looking fish. Man, I think it's a lot of kids' introduction to trolling off the beach. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah your guys' Spanish tournament does like a lot of with families. kids, yeah, man. Kids, yeah. I mean, my kids. I think it's their. It's it is their introduction to trolling was. I don't even Spanish know what Spanish is. So good for those little. No, I'm just kidding. Privileged kids. <laughs> Privileged. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, I hate them. Live on the waterway, go Spanish Ugh. fishing. This is ridiculous, man. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, man, Billy. Take it away, Gary. Well, before I take it away, I need to remind you. I need to remind you that at the conclusion of Rod Bierstedt's discussion, I'm going to come back to you and ask you for Billy's best takeaway. Billy's best takeaway moment. And a heads up, Rod's going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, He has a notebook over there. He brought in 100 different rigs to show. (laughs) And so after that hour... We're going to talk about or, some or more. Hey, what is that voice whoa, coming in? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so Billy's best takeaway, Captain Rod said, I didn't even know you were on the screen there. A pleasure to have you sitting here. Well, thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here, and as always, I uh, enjoy spending my time with you as I do at the school. Looking forward to this live podcast. You're one of my oldest friends. I've been... <laughs> Yeah, I am very old. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Man, look how sharp he is yeah. for his age. I didn't yeah. even have to explain yeah. that joke. Thanks for bringing that up. All right, Captain Rod, before we talk Jumbo Fall Spanish, before we hit when, where, talk about pulling hardware, talk about trolling live bait, even with all these age of experience, you still have to defend yourself. You still have to tell my audience, why should they listen to you? Talk about a Spanish mackerel. Well, one thing is I like to share the information that I've gained over the 35 years I've been fishing here. And I'm very willing to share that information and just try to help other fishermen as I was helped when I moved here 35 years ago. I was blessed. A number of charter captains took me under their wing and showed me the ins and outs of fishing in this area. And I'm just trying to pay it forward all the time. I, you and you're speaking the truth, man. I've seen it firsthand. You're a great ambassador to saltwater fishing. All right, before the main content, before the primary content, we have a feature called Two Questions. I sort of went a little bit different direction with it. I don't know if we're going at two questions, but this is a non-fishing related question, and um, I'm going to treat you with the respect you deserve with this feature. Okay, so Rod, will you please tell us what did people use before the rotary phone? <laughs> It was a, a phone on a wall with a crank. Okay. And you cranked it, and the operator came on, and you said, I want to talk to so-and-so, and she would sit there and plug wires in in a central location and connect you. How? Here's question number two. <laughs> How did you get your milk before it was delivered in glass bottles? Straight from the source. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think I'll call it there. No, yeah. I, I wouldn't go in the way you wanted me to go on that one, Gary. So, now, I, I saw where that was going, and I, I took a detour. Let's pull, let's pull out and go to primary content. We're going to talk about Jumbo Fall Spanish, and we're going to talk about when first. 
And so let's let's go there, man. What do you got for me? Well, a couple things. This the fall season is coming upon us, and uh, we're going to have a big cool down this weekend here along the North Carolina coast. The water temperatures are already dropping. They've dropped a degree or two over the last few days, and I expect them to be down with the 50-degree nights coming up even further, and that really triggers off our fall fishing here on the coast. And Spanish are one of the uh, really plentiful, we have a really strong Spanish mackerel fishery here from the spring all the way into the fall, and a lot of people in the fall forget about it, but these are great eating fish, and we get the run of the bigger fish coming back south where we had them in the spring going north. They come back south, and they've actually fattened up a bit, and you'll catch a lot of citation fish. I mean, a lot of big Spanish. So is it just the change of temperature that triggers them down here, or is it a certain temperature that it gets down to that really facilitates their arrival? Well, they start moving south as the water cools, and um, they will typically be around till the water's in the mid to low 60s along the beach. And here in our area, Onslow Bay area, we're really blessed because the water temperature, we have a number of weather buoys available, and you can really pinpoint where the water is. There's one on Johnny Mercer's Pier. There's a five-mile buoy off of Wrightsville Beach. There's a, mi- there's a buoy at 26 miles out off of... 23-mile rock, and then you've got the one out at Frying Pan, uh, southwest of Frying Pan Tower. So you can figure out where the water temperature is all the time. And the optimal water temperature for Spanish is truly below 80 degrees, which we have not been below 80 here recently. We've been catching a lot of Spanish, but they haven't been the real big ones. And as it gets down into the mid to upper 70s, to 70 and then that magic number between 65 and 70 is when we'll get a lot of really big spanish along the beach so that's the hot zone 65 to 70 to 70 74 okay now and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me my memory tells me in the spring you get big fish and then followed by not so big fish correct. is that a similar fall pattern yes and they'll be mixed up a little bit but what we'll get is we'll get our big spanish along the beach mixed in with our king mackerel run because they're going to be feeding on a lot of the same bait fish we'll have the uh, mullet running the beach we'll have pods of manhaden pogies running the beach we'll have um, jumping mullet um, spots and uh, bluefish and jumbo big spanish and i'm talking five to eight pounds will eat all of those bait fish so they will be um, you know you'll be trolling for you know targeting these nice big spanish and you're liable to catch 15, 20, 25 pound gang. And it happens quite a bit. You'll also lose a few spoons. You lose a little bit of terminal tackle because you're really not geared up for a fish of that size. And, uh, but it happens, but it's a lot of the fun too. So how about where, I mean, where does that conversation well, start? Well, yeah, I've sort of held it inside of five miles. And as the water cools, and even as it cools down, we'll be catching these big Spanish out in the 10, 12-mile area while you're kingfishing. I catch a lot of jumbo Spanish while I'm slow trolling or even fast trolling for king mackerel here in the fall and early winter. 
but some of the really good places and i made a list of 25 and i won't read all 25 off thank you but it starts down at frying pan tower ledges or frying pan ledges down by the shoals it comes up to sheephead rock to fort fisher ledges curie beach the dredge hole then obviously your artificial reefs the marriott reef uh the inlets are great carolina beach inlet masonboro inlet mason's inlet uh topsail inlet and new river inlet all of them will hold spanish around the inlets uh there's a five mile rock off of carolina beach um there's ledges off of masonboro island and there's a lot of ledges up around topsail inlet and new river inlet also that are very very good big fall spanish fishing areas all right so a couple of follow-ups inlet fishing are we having success in the inlets or around the inlets around the outside of the inlet and especially on a falling tide you'll get a nice tide line and what the falling tide will do is it will bring the bait fish out of the inlet and it will create a transition zone of the dirty cape fear river water inlet water intercoastal waterway water hitting the ocean water and the fish will stack up along that because that's where the bait will be and uh, sometimes they'll be on the dirty water side most of the time they'll be on the clean water side and they'll ambush the uh, bait fish as it comes along also as you're looking for these fish and moving up and down the uh, beaches um, look for bait pods and once you see a bait pod work that bait pod circle it and uh, try to get uh, because that's where the fish are going to be feeding um effective to drag it right through the bait pod or you want to stay away around it okay you you don't want to go right through it you want to pull up alongside of it and then as you get up by it circle around it so that your lines will go through and part of the the secret is you want to match part of the hatch and uh, a couple things when you're and you this is the traditional spanish mackerel trolling we're talking about now which is your number one number two planers We'll get to that in a second. Um, okay. And uh, with Clark spoons and or uh, small drone spoons. And um, another real good lure is a blue water candy thingamajig. But you're trying to match the hatch in some ways. And as the bait fish get bigger, you can pull a little bit bigger spoons. Traditionally, early on, the bait fish are very small. So we're pulling double zero and zero Clark spoons for the, and three-quarter ounce thingamajigs. Um as these bait fish have gotten bigger, you can go to the, a number two drone spoon, a number two Clark spoon, a number one Clark spoon, and up to a two ounce um, thingamajig. So I guess on the bait pod, so it's okay for my hardware to go through. Yes. It's just not okay for the boat to go yeah. through. Don't run the boat through. Is it ideal for the hardware to go through, or even then do you like the hardware to go close but not in? Uh, close and in both it doesn't I mean, matter i mean when you've Try got a, when you've got a spread um a lot of times i'll actually hit the bait pod with my planer rods and you'll see the planer rod bouncing and that means you're hitting the school of manhaden some pretty big bait fish and uh generally when you clear it to the outside then that's when you'll get your strike that's when you get it when yeah. it pulls outside yeah of the just pod. on the outside um a couple more follow-ups on the on the where so there's ample places inside of five miles. You ample. don't need to think about going outside of five miles. You you don't, but you you can, uh, especially if you want to target king mackerel along with the big Spanish. You can go out a little bit further. But we have a great king mackerel bite 
in these areas that I described earlier, all within five miles. So this is both a, this is a small boat fishery. I mean, guys in skiffs, John boats are out there on pretty days, um, not a problem. And uh, these are great eating fish and you can, you know, they're really uh, plentiful and get some really nice ones here in the fall. So people love information about where they love it. So give me one of your favorite spots out of Carolina Beach Inlet. Uh, one right around the inlet, just right there at the inlet because there is an abundance of bait fish that comes out of Carolina Beach Inlet. Uh, the other one is Johns Creek Rock. Okay. Just up to the north a little bit. And then if you want to run south down towards Sheephead Rock, and then there's a really big hard bottom area. And one thing, if people don't have it, they need to get a Maps Unique chart. And it's got a lot of these numbers on there and GPS numbers. Um, and just to have for a reference in areas to go where the live bottom is and the contours. Now, if you wanted to go beyond five miles and have a good shot at King Mackerel, I'm going to continue this conversation about where. Give me a, a top spot out of Masonboro Inlet. Out of Masonboro? About uh, within 10 miles, but good chance of kings in Spanish. A huge area is the 10-mile uh, rock area. It's, uh, and it's not just the numbers they call 10-mile rock. There's actually hard bottom, live bottom in a three, four-mile area around 10-mile rock. Another one is uh, the artificial reef at 10 miles. Uh, there's some good hard bottom just prior to that, uh, about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile before you get there coming out of Masonboro Inlet that you can run over and then you go just beyond it out to 12-mile rock, which is a mile and a half, two miles beyond the artificial reef. And what makes these good spots? They're holding bait. Is holding that what bait. the hard bottom holding creates? Holding bait, that's it. The bait fish all want structure. They want something they feel safe warm and fuzzy. I use the example, if you go down in the Caribbean and you throw a tire in 12 feet of water and you come back a week later, and this is down in the Bahamas, there'll be little tiny fish around that tire. You come back a week after that, there'll be a little bit bigger fish. Come back two weeks after that, there could be some six, eight inch fish around a single tire. And it just is an attract, it's like a magnet. And um, that's, they want they feel safe there. What are you doing throwing tires in the water down I'm not, in the Caribbean? I'm not doing Rod. it. You, I said you could. You could, Gary. I, actually, I unload a bunch of junk cars down there all the time. <laughs> but I take all the oil out of them first. Okay. Okay? That's all good. Right. <laughs> so I think, we've, I think we've hit the where, I think, unless you have something else to share. And if I understood our pregame notes, it was we were going to talk about pulling hardware first because you use it more of a search technique. That's correct. So you've already you already went into it a little bit, but we're going to back up and we're just going to treat it from step one. And you know, so let's talk about hardware. Let's talk about I, I don't know how you want to approach it, like a typical spread or what your thought process is. Yeah, you're. Typical Spanish mackerel spread for a small boat is four, possibly five. There you go. Crash. I didn't do that, folks. You did not. <laughs> uh, is four or five lines. And um, it involves Clark spoons and, what, and with number one rod planers, um, sometimes number twos. I actually run a number two to get another line deep. And um, then trolling sinkers. And one thing that I have found to be very effective uh, for Spanish year-round is jigs that people would traditionally cast. 
and that's this blue water candy thingamajig. Troll those. They troll fantastic. And you can troll them off of light spinning rods, and it's a lot of fun to catch the, the fish on those. And they come in various sizes to match the hatch of the bait fish. This is the smallest one in silver, which if you're looking at it, looks exactly like a silver side that the Spanish love to eat. And they go all the way up to two ounces. So walk me through again, man, the quick answer of four lines. And four lines. Right out of the bait. Right two, out of the gate, you'd have what? Two on top, two, two down. Two deep, two on top, yes. And uh, the number one rod planer is the easiest one to run. Uh, it, you can run that with 20-pound test line. You don't want to go under 20, uh, but 20-pound test line on your reel will work on this reel for this planer. And obviously, the further back you let it behind the boat, the deeper it will go. So you want to run one reasonably far behind the boat and a second one uh, closer in and that will allow you to turn without making any tangles when you're setting up your rigs um, let I, me let me ask yeah. you about the planers when you set, can you be more specific just throw out a number like reasonably far would be roughly how far back and then closer in would be how far back well i i tend to run my number one planers very long behind my boat okay um and I would have my long one going in, in the water where the line enters the water off from the rod about 40 yards. And okay. my, my close one would be about 20. And that staggering allows me to turn either right or left and not run into a problem and tangle my lines. Then obviously you need to have your top lines significantly farther back than that. And the 40-yard uh, and the 20-yard with the number one planer, you think you're getting roughly how far deep? I'm down around seven on the long one, 17 to 20 feet plus, and on the short one, about half of that. Is there much reason to get deeper than that 17 to 20? No, because a lot of times you're fishing in 25 to 30 feet of water. Uh, the deeper you go out, if you get out in the 40, 45, 50 feet of water, then you can change over to a number two planer. Clark Spoon makes a number two planer. That's very good. Um, I would suggest 30-pound test line on your reel to handle that one. Okay. And I do run those, and that allows you to get deeper uh, because it digs deeper. It's a bigger um, planer. And so what you were saying, I think, earlier in the show is the you are matching the hatch. So what you pull behind the planer, the size of that spoon would sort of depend on the size of the bait you're seeing? That's correct. Yeah. And... Typically, early on, we use a number two spoon because most of the bait that we're fishing, that we're seeing, and how you know what the fish are eating is, Spanish mackerel have a habit of regurgitating what they've just eaten when you catch them in your cooler or on the deck of the boat, and you can look at it, look and see what they're eating. And this number two Clark spoon right here is a go-to. It's a double zero. It's the smallest one made. And as you can see, it matches very closely to that three-quarter ounce uh, thingamajig, which looks just like a um, little glass minnow. As, the, as we get into the fall, the bait fish can be bigger. We can have some bigger mullets out there. The uh, silver sides have gotten bigger. Uh, and going to a number one Clark spoon is not out of the question. Another one that I really like using is this number one drone spoon. 
and they're somewhat hard to find at the tackle stores, but they are a great, great lure. Um, and especially if you've got little manhaden around, that gold and silver one looks like a, a little manhaden, a little three, four inch manhaden. And these jumbo Spanish are feeding on those. That's my go-to jumbo Spanish trolling spoon here in the fall. What's the basic difference in action between a Clark spoon and a drone spoon? Uh, drone spoon is much more violent. It has a lot more wobble to it. Okay. Side to side wobble. And as far as trolling spoons, picking spoons, size is more important than color? Uh, the silver is really good. Uh, sometimes a little bit of pink flash works good. Sometimes there's a, a green or green flash you can get on them. Uh, I'll put out one or two with flash in my spread just to see. And if they are hitting those, one one rule that you always want to do is if that pink spoon say a number one pink spoon is catching fish on a number one rod planer long and deep, then you want to take your shorter rod planer, move it back a little bit, and see if it gets hit. If it doesn't, then bring it in and put a pink flash number one on it because there's days where the fish are funky. They're just, they like one color, but typically the, the all silver, just the basic silver works really good. Okay. And the gold. Uh, gold in the dirty water uh, around the inlets look, works real good also. Solid gold color. All right. Solid planar discussion. Now let's do the same with the two top rods, the two top lines. Top lines. Um, the thingamajig is one that I pull on a top line. Another top line rig that we can pull is this right here. Just hold it up. And this is a bird rig with a Clark spoon. A little bit higher. With a Clark spoon on it. And this splashes and creates a commotion. And this would be my longest line. Okay. And I will run a Clark spoon behind it. I'll run a thingamajig behind it. Uh, there's a multitude of different lures you can run behind it, um, behind the bird. And the bird just creates activity it looks like some fleeing bait fish mm -hmm. like something's chasing them and this looks like the weak guy that can't keep up and so he gets hit okay okay um if you've mentioned it i missed it you like to run leaders how long and with what material okay off of the planers i run my leaders relatively long it does mean you have to hand line the fish in and can present a challenge when you get the bigger fish on but um 30 feet and make sure you use a ball bearing swivel on the end of your planer because okay. these spoons are so violent they'll twist your line up um, i've gone to i don't use fluorocarbon one it's very expensive and two it is very stiff and i think especially with clark spoons it detracts from the action of the clark spoon i don't think they're nearly as active so I've gone to a fluorocarbon-coated monofilament. And this P-Line FluoroClear, I've been using it this year with great success. 30-pound test. It's reasonably priced. And uh, there's a number of different ones out there where they have fluorocarbon-coated lines because it's virtually invisible in the water. Can you, okay. can you tuck it around that camera? I'll let people yeah. take a look at it if they're watching here. Yeah, you could. You cannot see yeah. that that line, and uh, that's been right. this year my go-to line. 
Um, it's been, it works really good. I wish they made it in a 40 pound test for the bigger fish this fall, but unfortunately 30 pounds is big as they make. Well, once they see this podcast, <laughs> yeah, maybe they won't, they'll hit the market. They'll, uh, It'll be the Rod Beerstedt line. Yeah. Of- <laughs> yeah. But that, that's a nice flexible line. Um, it doesn't hurt the action of your spoons at all. And again, uh, fluorocarbon is very stiff. And I have some fluorocarbon with me here, but unfortunately people can't tell the difference, but it, it's a much stiffer material. So we got two lines up top, similar leaders with that? Uh, you can shorten them up because you're using a trolling weight. With the thingamajig, you literally need three or four feet of that leader and then a small uh, spro swivel, 50-pound uh, spro swivel is all you need. So that one you can reel all the way up and just get it in the boat where on the planers you will have to hand line with 30 feet a liter and on the trolling sinkers I run 20 25 feet a liter so you will have to hand line that fish in once you get it up to the boat what uh speed you trolling I'm trolling at five to seven knots and I do talk knots you want to convert that to miles per hour anywhere from six to eight miles an hour okay um, if you've got any final thoughts on hardware, this is our time. Otherwise, yep. let's transition into live bait. Well, we're going to do another version of hardware okay. that is very effective for these big fall Spanish. I'm in. And it is deep diving trolling plugs. And these come in various sizes. Uh, these are the Yuzuri Crystal Minnows, which are excellent. This is a uh, Rapala with a smaller lip. So this one would be a shallow diver. It would run four or five feet. These would run very deep. And then if you want to... What's very deep? Uh, 15, 20 feet, depending okay. on how far you let it behind the boat. And I hooked the microphone. And then you can even scale up to a little bit bigger. If you're seeing bigger bait fish out there, uh, it doesn't hurt to put one big one out also what's big what's that five inches it's about a five inch azuri versus a three inch okay and uh these have great action and as you can see that one did get bit the pink one uh that's a king mackerel bite because you will catch king mackerel on them uh they are out there with these spanish because they're actually feeding on the smaller spanish but they're running with these bigger spanish so uh you know you can catch some kings on those along with these jumbo Spanish. So these would take the place of the planar rods, yes. and then you'd still have something up top. Yeah, what? and you would troll these three and a half to five knots. Uh, they want to roll over and not troll real pretty at the real high speeds, so you can troll them a little bit slower. I would mix in on top a thingamajig. It still looks good at those speeds. It has a lot of action. That'd be another nice top line for your longer top but lines. But that might be too slow for a spoon? A spoon, it, I don't like pulling my Clark spoons that slow because I start catching a lot of bluefish. Okay. That's one little secret is if you're catching a lot of bluefish, you're going too slow. Speed up. Uh, bluefish, you tend not to catch many of them when you get up to Spanish mackerel speed. And you would stagger the deep divers, the 20, the exactly. 40, and then you could turn either way. Yeah, either way, exactly. Okay. All right. How about live bait now? Live bait now. So live bait, I scale it down, and you're not going to catch nearly as many fish live bait slow trolling. And you noticed I said slow trolling because 
with the baits, you have to go extremely slow so that they're swimming naturally on your live bait rig. And um, when I'm live bait fishing, typically I'm live bait fishing for kings and big Spanish. And you will catch them simultaneously together. Um, but you want to, if you get into a lot of little Manhattan, it's not a, a bad idea. If you could see them popping when you're out fishing, throw your cast net on it, get your tank full of four or five inch Manhattan, and then go back to the bait pod where they're at and slow troll around that bait pod. Uh, slow troll along the tide line at the inlet. If you go offshore to these ledges, hard bottom, rocky areas, slow troll those. And you have to go as slow as the bait will allow, it will be swimming naturally. And in some cases, you might have to put a bucket out on a rope off your boat to slow your boat down. Um, bumping the motor in and out of gear can be a little wearsome on the um, motor system. So pulling a bucket. Um, back when I first started doing this, they made a product, and I haven't seen them in years. Some of the older guys will remember, called a happy troller plate. And you, <laughs> oh, honest to goodness. <laughs> and you put it on the back of your motor, right. and it had a rope on it, and it was out. It almost acted like a dolphin to help your boat plane. Uh -huh. But when you went to trolling, you would pull the rope, and the plate would go down, and it would actually block the thrust of the motor. And it was a big metal plate that would block that thrust. And you could literally slow down to one, one and a half knots very easily. Man, those were the good old days. Uh, caught a lot of fish then. <laughs> a lot of fish. <laughs> but um, the, the rigs that you'll want to use, and if you're looking at these really small baits, I make a number of rigs that I really scale my hooks down. These are number six trebles and um, that you can use for Spanish mackerel fishing. And they're very small. Um, I don't use these for king mackerel, but I have caught king mackerel on them. And that's single strand number four wire. And you can also make the same rig with a seven, um, seven wire system and that's 40 pound seven wire. So it's very thin, very flexible, because you want these baits swimming naturally. Very small swivels, 50 pound spro swivels, and you want them swimming naturally. If you get a little bit bigger baits, then you can jump up to a number four treble, which is typically what we use for king mackerel fishing. And pogey is pretty much the trolling bait. Are you pulling uh, anything else? No, you can pull a uh, little mullet. Little finger, mullet. finger mullet. Four-inch finger mullet are killer for Spanish mackerel. Um, out around the inlets. And, um, in fact, I've caught 30-pound kings on four-ounce finger mullet while I was fishing for Spanish. Slow trolling. You putting the second hook in the bait or are you letting it dangle? I put the second hook in. Okay. Uh, Why? I ju just so it stays in the strike zone because sometimes that hook will swing down towards the head of the bait. But if they're swimming actively, it should come back up along its tail. But I embed the second hook in the bait. Okay. And a lot of times it will fall out, but it, it starts there. 
So go as slow as the bait will allow. That's r- exactly right, Gary. Two lines, more than two uh, lines? Four. Four lines there, yeah, too. Four lines. And you'll set them how? Well, I run one downrigger. Even in 25 feet of water, I'll have one bait down 15 feet. Okay. And then I'll run one, what I call short line, in close. Uh, and a lot of times on that one, I will put a double bait rig out. And that's what we call a double pogey rig, or it can be even a double mullet rig. Now, this is made with the number four um, treble hooks, and you can see the difference in size here. They are, these are your typical king mackerel. But this would be a double pogey rig, and I made that one up to handle some smaller baits. You could also run finger mullet on that, and that's a great uh, bait to have in close to the boat. Then on the, your two top lines, put them back, you know, 15, 20, 30 yards and have your live baits back there. Um, skirted and non-skirted, like naked? Naked, and you can run skirts on them. Uh, typically with the smaller baits, I don't run skirts. Okay. Uh, on the double pogey rig, I do because it has a three-way swivel up here to allow me to have two baits off the same rig. Yeah. And I like the skirt to come down and cover up the swivel and actually act like a little attractant in front of the two baits. Okay. It gives a little more commotion, a little more flash, a little more look. What's like one of the main mistakes people make when they're slick trolling live pogies or live bait? They make them surf. They're dragging them on top going way too fast. They, even though they just bump their boat into gear with a single motor, and if you look back and your bait, you see it sliding across the top on its side and surfing, what I call surfing, you're going too fast. And nothing, fish aren't going to hit that. It doesn't look natural. You want the bait naturally swimming. Ideally, if you've got good live bait, it will actually swim and loop up and can be straight off the side of your boat. It can swim as fast as you're going. Ideally, that's the speed you want to be. And that's the biggest mistake people may make slow trolling live bait is they pull it. They try to pull it too fast. All right. Let's say we're pulling hardware or we're pulling live bait. Maybe the answer differs depending on what we're pulling. And I get a, I get my bite. I um, drag is screaming off. What am I doing? Am I pulling lines? Am I leaving lines in? What's the rod beer set way? I leave them in. All I, of them. I like as many as I can without getting a tangle. Uh, if the fish is going to tangle, uh, you know, rapidly moving rods to one side of the boat to get them out of the way, um, I like to turn towards the fish. So if the fish is on the starboard side, I will start turning to the starboard unless he is tur- running to the port, and then I'll turn to the port and all the poles that are on the port side of the boat. I will move over to the starboard. Okay. And I. the reason is these are all schooling fish. And my idea of a big time is to have every line on the boat get hit. That's what I'm, my objective is to have, if I've got four lines out, I want four fish on. And uh, so I, I, if I'm slow trolling the downrigger down and a top line got hit, I'll leave the downrigger down initially for a little bit, but then I will pop the bait loose and clear the downrigger ball up out of the way so it doesn't get tangled while we're fighting the fish up by the boat. That's the main one you're worried about. Yes. That's the yeah. main one that causes problems. Yeah, that's the number one, yeah, because fish will run 
you'll have it on the port side, your starboard side, you had your downrigger down, you think you can leave it down, that fish will come up and shoot directly under your boat, go around the downrigger, go around the outside and snap the line off. Um, are you staying at the same trolling speed the whole time until the fish is in the boat? Yes. Uh, when I'm fast trolling some of the hardware, especially the Yozuri lures, um, I will slow the boat down. And only because I tend to troll them on very lights. It's a lot of fun to catch five to seven pound Spanish on a, a trout rod. In essence, that's what I'm using is eight, 10 pound test. And it's, it's a hoot, trust me. And especially when you hook up with the occasional king mackerel. In fact, I'll use those, those rods slow trolling live bait. And um, we have caught many a 20-plus king mackerel on 10-pound test trout rod. You have to turn the boat and run after a little bit. And I like to back up on my reel. I don't use braid trolling except in this condition because I need lots of line capacity. Okay. And some of these smaller reels only hold 125, 150 pounds, 10-pound test. Well, if you put 15-pound test braid First, you can put 200 yards of that and then 50 or 75 yards of your uh, monofilament on top of it. And that way you have more line capacity. Man, uh, I've, I think we've hit it. Like uh, This is usually where I say, hey, Rod, what did I not set you up to say, man? What else do you want to share? You I came so prepared. I think we, you know, we covered it all. It's a great fishery. It's a lot of fun. It's for both any boat, small boat, big boat, anybody can go out and do it. And these are great eating fish. I mean, they are delicious and it's a fun fishery. And you also run the chance of, you know, hooking up with a smoker fall king along the beach at the same time. Well, I'm going to ask you about the On My Way fishing calendar. But I think before I ask you about the On My Way year-round fishing calendar... Is this a good time to come to you, Billy Thorpe? Do we have do we have questions coming in? Uh, we, we don't have any questions, but if you guys do have any questions that you would like to ask Captain Rod, be sure to go ahead and leave those in the comments. And on this program that we're using, the software, if you're like, man, I can't leave a comment, you just give Ecamm permission to let you uh, leave a comment. Pretty simple. Just, it's They're not going to try to steal your information and prank call you or nothing. <laughs> so just let them do that. Uh, and you guys can ask any questions. And then here in a little bit, we will... Um, a number out there that they can give a call and call in live okay if we decide we still want to do that so yeah man so rod tell me about on my way you're more than spanish and kings in the fall tell me about the calendar year okay the calendar year is you know it starts for our area in in april okay um with the atlantic bonito that is a, a, another really good fishery and shortly behind that is our uh spring king mackerel or spring spanish mackerel fishery near the beach uh, in April, we starting to hit the uh, Gulf Stream. The, the mahi can start running out there at the break. Um, obviously, the king mackerel bite starts turning on a little bit in April. Uh, May is when it really May is when it really gets rocking and rolling because grouper season opens. It's been closed from January to May, so everybody is ready to go grouper fishing. So the bottom fishing is very good in May. Um, king mackerel are there. Out at the break, you've got, you know, your mahi, your tuna, possibly some wahoo um, going on. And along the beach, it's wide open between the, the Atlantic Bonito and the uh, big spring Spanish. 
then you're good. You're good. All right. Okay, <laughs> then going into summer, you know, summer is your nearshore mahi. Um, they tend to move in as the water warms up, and all these fish are water temperature related. And um, I'm just going to throw this out. If anybody wants any information, I have a wealth of seminar notes that I am very willing to share with people. And all they have to do is text me, call me, email me, and tell me what they're interested in, and I will send them all of the... I have in excess of 450 pages of <laughs> notes <laughs> and, that, I, that I can share. But I do have a temperature uh, breakdown for the various game fish of their low, medium, or their best, and then their high temperature range that they tend to like to swim in. And then... Come fall is what we're in now. We um, will end up with a really good foot. This is an exciting time starting typically in October um, because everything goes crazy. You've got the uh, Spanish and kings along the beach. You've got kings, you know, out in a number of ranges all the way out to the 30-mile-plus range. You've got your uh, some nearshore mahi straggling around. I had one of my best nearshore mahi trips last September um, and another one in October. The latest I've ever caught a mahi is I caught a mahi December the 17th at 13 miles while I was king mackerel fishing. No kidding. Well, yeah, I, it was lost. It was 70-degree water, but we caught nice 15, 18-pound gaffer. Are you huh. still doing the service where someone can hire you to come on their boat and teach them how to fish their boat? Yes, I do. Uh, in fact... Probably half of the trips I'm running on the water these days are what I call my guide service trips, where I go, I've built up a pretty good client base, have some great people that I've been working with, um, and um, so I, I'm i running between 50 and 75 of those kind of trips a year. You get on their boat, you start reading that 450 pages out loud to them? No, I send it to them before we ever go, <laughs> and, but I, I selectively send it, Gary. I I pick out what they are interested in because not everybody's interested in going out to the break. You know, it's 58 nautical miles. Not everybody has a boat that they're even comfortable going out 30 miles in. A lot of people, as we have seen with your fishing school when you do your survey, it's a 15-mile-and-in kind of fishery. A lot of people are getting for the multi-purpose boats, boats they can flounder, trout, and drum fish in, but still on a pretty day run out 15, 20 miles and do some pelagic and bottom fishing out in that range. Rod Bierstedt, Captain Rod Bierstedt <laughs> of On My Way Fishing Charters, thank you so much for coming in here and talking to us yeah. about Jumbo Falls Spanish, well, for being a part of our first ever, our first ever live show. And then this podcast, will, like we said, will release regularly next Tuesday. Well, it's been a yeah. pleasure, Gary. I really yes, appreciate yeah. that you stayed up past your bedtime yeah. to come in here. <laughs> it is. I'm usually <laughs> asleep about now. <laughs> Oh, eight eight o'clock is sort of my wishing hour. <laughs> well, I did have a few questions that came in online for you, All Captain right. Ron. Um, so let me just find the first one here. So Mark uh, wants to know what's the largest Spanish that you've ever caught trolling? Uh, eight pounds. Eight pounds. All right. There you go, Mark. That's the question. Luke Donay. Hey, a, a lot of five to sevens. A lot but of five to seven, but the biggest, biggest is, eight. is eight. In fact, last fall, three different fishing clubs that people that I take out uh, that they run a system where they, you know, measure fish. And the biggest Spanish were caught with me fishing with them 
last fall. They won all three of their okay. their derbies. All right, excellent. That's cheating. Couple couple more questions here for you, and then for people who are watching, I just put my a phone number up on the screen there, so you can give that a call if you if you're brave enough to call in live. Uh, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Just call in. Be 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 cordial. Be friendly. We are family friendly. Have a lot of kids watch the show. Um, but so here's another one from Luke, uh, Captain Luke Donay. Luke, thanks for watching. Oh. <laughs> uh, he says, "Hey, Luke." <laughs> he, he says, "Ron, how many people can you fit on your boat?" Uh, legally, legally, uh, <laughs> legally. Uh, I have a six pack. I have a six pack license. Comfortably, if there's children involved. The six five six is very good. If it's adults on a half day trip, we can take six. It can get a little crowded. Uh, typically, I like four adults. All right, four mm-hmm. adults. And he wants to know what you ride. I guess he's asking what kind of boat you got. Oh, it's a twenty seven foot Mako with lots of hours on it, and <laughs> powered with twin one fifty Yamahas. Maybe Luke will charter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. And then Rod can go flounder fishing with Luke. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to do that. He's been posting a lot of good pictures. Uh, let's see what else we got here. What's the best way to cook a Spanish? Well, I've got a special way to clean them, and I will show people that. Uh, where I, when I fillet them, I actually skin them and take the uh, Y bones and the bloodline out, and it creates some really nice ones, nice pieces of meat. I do a lot of grilled Spanish mackerel fish tacos. I probably eat them two times a week. Okay. Um, a lot of people fry it. Um, I'm trying to stay away from fried food, but a lot of people fry it. It's delicious fried. And you can just put any kind of marinade on it. I use a fajita marinade for the tacos. It's really good. Right. Is that a service you'll provide? Not take me out on my boat, but come over to my kitchen and show me how to <laughs> how to cook it, how to cook your fish. Oh. There you go. Now, grilled fish tacos are really Spanish mackerel grilled fish tacos are really good. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to give me a phone call here. Hope I didn't miss a phone call. Maybe I did. Nope, just from Gary. Let's wrap, <laughs> let's wrap it up, uh, Billy. Let's wrap it up. Everybody's saying great show, great job, Rod. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so we appreciate everybody watching and listening. If you haven't had an opportunity, be sure to go to um, our, our any of our pages. I'll put them up here if you're watching. We got Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, YouTube, Google uh, podcast as well. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you get the latest update, all the latest shows. We're doing a weekly uh, live or not live stream. We're not going to do a weekly live stream. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's been super fun, but yeah. ton of work, ton of, I'm like on the tech side, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go yeah. home. Um, but anyway, we have a ton of fun doing this, Gary, and I think it's brought a lot of value and uh, to a lot of people. So it's been super fun and all made possible by Marine Warehouse. And we're going to give away uh, two gift prizes or gift, two gift packages for anybody who shared the broadcast. Um, and this is a little bit tricky because I'm not seeing that I can see those live on of who shared right now, but shortly after the broadcast airs, uh, Gary and I will jump back on here real quick and announce a couple of winners. So if you've yet to do that, be sure to share this broadcast or this uh, live stream episode. Uh, just quickly hit the share button, and we really appreciate all the support. And go to fishermanspost.com backslash podcast to check it out. That's right, man. Enjoying the journey. Live this creative path we're down. Yeah, man. Super cool. And, and, and don't call this unless it's on a live show. Call. <laughs> Anytime. Or, or you get a free boat. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, or trip. I got trip. a prize for you if you call him after midnight. A fishing trip. But, oh, after midnight's fine. I'd turn it off. doesn't matter. <laughs> well, dude, Gary, great show, man. Great show. Anything else? No, man. Thanks for making this happen. I think we, yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate you guys. See ya.